Hey there and welcome to this podcast uh, where I today I'm going to explore the personality type called INFJ. So I have recently <laughs> studied a lot about this type in trying to explore if this is my personality type with Myers Breck or Myers Breck. I'll put the link here what the what the test is called. You can hear I don't even know too much about this. Um, but it's, I feel so seen uh, in this personality type that is called INFJ that I'm getting explanations about myself as well. Um, so that is a very beautiful experience. Um, but I'm just going to try and share today from a website that says like 21 signs that you are uh, INFJ. Uh, I'm just going to share those uh, traits and then I'm going to comment a little bit um, and come with examples from my own life. Okay, so the first one is from a young age, you feel different from the people around you. And I don't know, I don't know about this one. Um, so what does it say here further? It says, even if you have, if even if you had plenty of friends, you never felt like you truly fit in. Sometimes you fake being more like them so that they would accept you. This is normal for an INFJ because we need a sense of community and harmony with those around us. Okay, so that I can understand. So I think this thing from, from a young age, I think it's, you know, from a young age, you're just experiencing life from the perspective of being a child. So you don't know so much maybe how other people feel and if they feel any different from you. So not as a child, but I, I definitely, I feel like there, um, that I'm always sticking out in this weird way. It's like when I, st when I started to study homeopathy, I thought, okay, <laughs> I can't be a freak here, but I could. Um, and not because I want to, not because I, I, I want to be controversial or because I want to uh, swim against the stream or explore a little bit broader or deeper or whatever, whatever, you know, I just, just maybe just an expression of an interest. But maybe it is true that, that I haven't had many people to share these interests with, uh, regardless of what kind of group I could have associated with. So I associated very much with a, a company that I worked for. I associated with the gay scene in Denmark. Um, I associated then with homeopath and associated as being a mom. You know, even as a mom, we had this big experience uh, with our daughter getting extremely ill. Uh, so I also felt different in that connection. But I do have a few people where I'm like, okay, they're solid. I know exactly um, that they are. <laughs> they, they see me basically on a deeper level. Two, you want to know what's really going on in people's lives, not just trivial stuff like what they did this weekend or what they bought on their latest shopping trip, you want to dig deep and get at the things that no one else sees. 
What does the person in front of you really think? How does this person really feel? The fake facade they put up for other people doesn't fool you. And that's true. I, You know, that is true. But it's not something that I have been aware of my whole life. <laughs> because it's just becoming one of those things that are unspoken. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that just because people are not talking about it, that they're not thinking about it, basically. Um... So I think that it's also led to disappointment in myself when I have had people in my life that I feel like maybe they weren't really interested in the real me. They were only interested in parts of me. And it is true I want to know how people really feel. And I do in particular when I'm working, of course, uh, as a homeopath. And I think also to have people tell me how they really feel, or how they experience things, or how they go through it, I have to come with that openness as well. So it's a, it's a two-way thing. And it's great for me to be able to use this skill in a such a functional way as, as it is uh, when I'm doing homeopathy. Okay, plans. You feel more comfortable having a loose plan for things than you do completely winging it. Yes, and that is true. I plan, 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 plan. Because uh, when you have planned a lot, then it's not so big a disaster. When something goes wrong or you need to change something, it, it becomes very easy. It's like if you start really well off with good planning, it becomes very, very, very easy to to do the rest. And this is something that I learned when I worked in interior design and and we had to do these trade shows uh, where we had like maybe a thousand square meters or maybe even more. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, and you plan as much as you can, but it doesn't matter how much you plan for a thousand square meters. There's something that's going to be changed, and that's 100%. But that change is not as chaotic if you have good planning beforehand. So, okay, there was a lot about planning. And I know that uh, it may seem quite chaotic around me, and it's something that I'm very, very conscious about, actually. Um, but I don't feel like I have a real interest actually fixing it. it's like when I get into like a certain flow it's like if I have to stop and clear up all the time it's like it's like interrupting my flow and actually slows me down extremely but uh, plants are good you're a social butt you can be both incredibly shy quiet and withdrawn as well as charming fun and hilarious for an INFJ it's all about the situation, your mood and energy levels. And most important, the people you're with. That's so true. That's so true. It's like I really bathe in good company. I absolutely love it. I can feel how good company and authentic experiences, it really lifts me up. You know, it doesn't even have to be, be me having the experience. And, and when I'm thinking about what is my absolute... Uh, most favorite childhood memory, it was laying in bed and listening to my parents having a party. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I think that it's this kind of like, I got this, you know, with being social, but also feeling withdrawn at the same time. How you handle problems. 
When someone comes to you with a problem, you usually don't give them advice or your opinion unless they ask. Instead, you ask them questions to help them better understand the situation and their own feelings about it. Sometimes you tell a story of a time when something similar happened to you in the hope that they'll draw their own lesson. You feel like you can usually see the path they should take, but you don't want them You don't want them to do it just because you told them to. You want it to be their decision. This is why INFJs are often considered neutral, natural advice givers and counselors. Yeah, I think, I don't know if this is because I'm an INFJ or it's just because I have a a mileage (laughs) that I, that I have gone through life and experienced life in the, in different ways uh, that maybe I've become better at this. And, and also as a reflection on when, when we came out from hospital, not many, many people were very, very scared of asking about the experience. It was like, okay, my, so my daughter, she nearly died from meningitis. And the last time we were in hospital there, it was five weeks and it was really, really bad. Uh, and when we came out then, then maybe I would have a conversation where I said, so my daughter had meningitis. And then the other person would be like, oh, but she's well today. And then I would say yes. And then that would be the, that would be the end of the conversation because it feels like the other person is afraid of, of exploring this topic with you or asking questions or if they're going to make you cry or whatever. But that very often left me feel super lonely. Because it was deep, big, 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 and deep, and also in a, you know, in that sense, also meaningful experiences that happened to me. But most people that were simply too scared to talk about it with me and to explore the topic with me. So I have promised myself not to be in that same way. Uh, but I do also think that it is great just to ask some questions and you know, get, I, I, I really value conversation yeah i i think that good creative work that can be in a like a healthy and kind and open conversation then two people can make much better ideas than one person (laughs) that is my belief but it has to be a very respectful process and there has to be a lot of trust in the process as well um so that's kind of like my ideal i think of uh having a conversation like that. Just try and be a partner in something. Six, there are no limits to your introversion. You are an introvert and you like alone and you like alone time, but if you can't be alone for too long, but you can't be alone for too long, eventually you will need to reunite with your people. Your people are a handful of good friends who truly get you. Deep conversations with these people are priceless and hanging out with them can usually boost your energy. And that is definitely true. That is definitely true. I really do need to have my alone time. And it's very difficult to balance because I also get lonely. And so it's 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 a it's a very, very delicate balance. But there are some people in my life, you know, where we can just walk around and be in the same house all day and and maybe not even say much to each other, but just be in each other's company. That's something that I absolutely treasure. The door slam. <clears throat> That's number seven. 
Uh, you've been known to suddenly cut people out of your life when they hurt you one too many times. It's not that you enjoy cutting people out, rather, you do this simply to protect yourself. Even though you may look like you have it together on the outside, you are extremely sensitive inwardly. And you're especially sensitive to other people's words and actions. And that is definitely the true. I have definitely uh, cut people out of my life because not because of them per se, because of the way that they are, but simply because uh, my nervous system had a reaction to certain things and my nervous system couldn't handle it. So, And also the door slam is a little bit rough, I think, because I definitely feel like there is like a period of time before where there are many attempts to approach the topic and try to find some kind of resolution. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that I must be really, really, really extremely bad at uh, because people, they do think I'm just turning around and leaving where I'm like, no, I'm not. Okay, eight. You can be a people pleaser. Sometimes you try so hard to make other people happy that you forget to make yourself happy. This is likely one of the biggest problems you'll struggle to overcome. And that is true. That is true. That is really, really true. And and uh, I, have, I, I can't do it anymore uh, because I have been taken advantage of uh, before in this sense of being a people pleaser. You know, it's... This is something that is being taken advantage of in our society, full stop. It's people love this kind of people and jobs and so on, you know, and you will be rewarded for this type of behavior. Uh, so, yeah, I, <laughs> it is kind of like a complete baseline in me. And I don't know if it's, it hasn't always been, or blah, 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 I don't know. But I think in a way it has, maybe I haven't expressed it. I don't know what to say, but but uh, yes, it's a big problem because uh, when you are people pleaser, then uh, you actually also end up having to listen to a lot of bullshit. And that combined with empathy, you often feel like you see precisely what someone else is feeling and you believe you know what they need deep down. You're not always right, but you tend to be more perceptive than most. And I do think that is right, but I also think that the right answer to this is always to have someone find their own answer. You know, it doesn't really matter if anybody has an idea about what somebody else should do. Uh, it's something that we all have to work out for ourselves. But of course, you know, good and trusted and close relationship, that's where we should have these types of deeper conversations and where we can go and just reveal ourselves in a in a place that is is safe. That's that's what we all need really. Okay, so number ten, you have a destiny. You feel like you're destined for so much more than just dragging yourself to your nine to five job to pay the bills. You want to help people and change the world, not just get a paycheck. The problem is that you either don't know what your glorious purpose is or you have an inkling but you don't know how to achieve it. So I feel like this is this is one thing that I have 
<clears throat> managed to do in my life. It is to believe in this about myself and not settle, so to say. I've been in, It's. it doesn't matter how good a situation that I have been in, but this feeling that this is it. Okay, what's after this? So where are we going now? What's next? When when that kind of disappears, I, that's, I, I don't go well with that. And that ties in very well also with 11, always striving. You almost always have the sinking feeling that you could be doing better with your life. This results in you constantly have secret self-improvement projects going on, <laughs> like learning how to cook healthy meals, setting better boundaries or getting better at articulating yourself. Sometimes you can push yourself too hard as you attempt to achieve your perfect life. And that's also, you know, it's like, if I don't feel like I can be perfect at something, if I can't be really, really good at it, I, I don't really bother with it. Uh, but I think I'm also getting a little bit more playful with that now, where it's like, okay, <laughs> it's okay to try something and not, not have to be absolutely the best at it. 12. Your defense mechanism. Sometimes you turn to people-pleasing to protect yourself. You're sensitive... So you can get really bothered when someone else, when someone criticizes you or is disappointed in you. They can't criticize you if you make them happy. Oh my God, this is just so heartbreaking. This is so heartbreaking. I'm not even going to talk about it. Uh, but this is something that I recognize from being a child. Okay. 13. You sense things. You often immediately sense the mood of a room when you walk uh, when you walk into it. Likewise, you often absorb the feelings of people around you. If they're excited, you get excited. If they're anxious, you get anxious too. You tend to gravitate towards calm-sensed people so you don't have to deal with as much emotional baggage. I wish, I wish, I wish, but I'm also getting smarter. You know, uh, and this thing about sensing things, you know, that's that's also a weird one because I just made this note here where I said, I found it so strange that no one reacted to my distress when I was a child because I thought it was obvious that I was in distress. But now I realize that they didn't see what I could see. So I felt like I could see their distress and I expected them to see it in me as well. But they didn't, or, or, or they didn't want to, or they didn't, I don't know, but it wasn't acknowledged. So I couldn't know if I see things differently at that age. I, of course, I just think that everybody sees the same thing as myself. I'm a child. I, and the other thing I thought was that, that this, this uh, skill or something, it was something to be ashamed of, uh, uh, or it was something that you shouldn't brag about, and also because when you when you hear people talk about it, then it it becomes these kind of like, oh, this is so crazy, and this is so mysterious, and this is so weird, and this is so and how and blah blah blah. Uh, so really, uh, is that me? Uh, so many many different <laughs> conflicting feelings uh, on this. Nothing but class. That's number 14. You're drawn to high quality things like good food, nice clothes and anything else that has good craftsmanship. As much as you hate to admit it, 
The way things look is important to you. You like being surrounded by beauty and you tend to have sophisticated, refined taste. But you're a minimalist at heart. You'd rather have one or two really nice shirts than ten mediocre ones. And that's totally true. So that's what I like about living in a small space. It is that everything you see, everything you touch, everything you move, you wash, you fold is something that you absolutely love. And that just gives me that kind of like little everyday pleasure. I think those are the things that are the real pleasure, not so much the big events. I had some amazing experiences, uh, but to have a <laughs> really beautiful chopping board, I really value that very highly. 15, your secret feelings. You care deeply about the people in your life, but they'll probably never know just how much you care because you keep your feelings mostly to yourself. You can have trouble articulating your emotions even though you feel them intensely. And when you and when our personality side falls in love with someone, we fall hard. Yeah. So my secret feelings, yes, yes, there are many feelings I have felt very lonely with throughout my life. Always, always. And that is it's that kind of like religious feeling where I have felt alone so I haven't really found anyone like in my friends uh, that sh I think share the feelings in the same way or maybe they do and they're just like me and don't share it or whatever but I definitely uh, have the I, 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 I consider myself a spiritual person okay you care a lot you're usually thoughtful conscientious and considerate other people who are not as conscientious can seem callous, even cruel. So that's also true, but of course not always. <laughs> no, uh, I have my, uh, you know, as with all of this, you know, this all sounds so interesting and fun, but of course it's not just like 100% of being in a life uh, for anybody uh, or for this specific type. But okay, these are definitely good traits. So 18, your head is beyond, is way beyond the clouds. When everyone else is gossiping, discussing celebs or talking about other trivial things, you find yourself thinking about out of space, time travel, human nature, the meaning of life and other more epic topics. You rarely tr try to steer the conversation in that direction, though, because you don't think other people will be interested. Yeah, I just don't know even if I've been thinking about that, if other people are interested, but of course also just kind of feeling sensitive about it and, and maybe not being able to take a lot of... Uh, some anything that is not supportive, you know. Being vulnerable... Uh, yeah, and then there's all the gossiping. And but if I think about school, I, I remember I realized one day that uh, the people that I was hanging out with, and sometimes these people, sometimes these people, that that they they only hung hung out with the people that I saw with them every time. Uh, so I, I've been more like a people that have been crossing over different groups or whatever. Nineteen, you never stop striving. You feel compelled to get things done. You often write to-do lists, not true, and you enjoy checking things off them. I guess I just have it in my head instead. If you don't have a goal to work toward, after a while you feel lost and bored. And that's so true. Nothing better than having a, a, a deadline. 
it's the best, 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 best tool you can have whatsoever. Even when I did those trade shows, there was like this one guy, uh, uh, one of the craftspeople that came there and helped to build the whole thing when uh, we were talking about when people, they ask you, how long time does it take to build a stand for a trade show? <laughs> and his answer was, it takes the time that you have. So it doesn't matter how much time you get, you're still going to be working like a maniac the night before. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a stand, it's going to be there. So how long does it take? As long as you have. Uh, and the, and I, yeah, I guess it was easy for me to catch on to that. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, I wanted to learn about Feng Shui. And to make myself learn about it, then I signed myself up to be a, a teacher for an evening class <laughs> on it, because then I knew that I would definitely, definitely, definitely read the books. Okay. 20. You do six impossible things before breakfast. When you're passionate about something, it feels like nothing can stand in your way. The INFJ motto is the impossible just takes a little bit longer. Yeah, I think it's nice. I like I like doing impossible things. I worked for uh, I I I worked in this television production once where I was redesigning six cars, and the guys uh, that were doing it they they said a couple of times we said that's not possible, Mida. No, you can't do that. And then they figured out a way to do it, and that made me so happy because yeah, no, that was super cool. Yeah, and before breakfast, yes, I do like my mornings and I do like the quiet in the morning. And boy, do I get a lot of stuff done. I think sometimes I get more stuff done in the morning than I would ever do uh, in the whole day when I was in an office. Other people see you as wise, insightful, almost spiritual. They often come to you for advice and emotional support. You relish your role as the wise one uh, and you like being needed. But sometimes it becomes too much. You're an introvert for crying out loud and sometimes you just wish everyone would solve their own problems and leave you alone for a while. And why is it that I'm laughing? It is because I'm making all this material available for people about homeopathy. So everybody thinks I'm doing it as a gesture. But it's it's more like... that. I can just say you can find your answer there and then I don't have to do it. Uh, okay. So this was like uh, something about being an INFJ and how I can reflect on this uh, in my own life. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a huge eye-opener for me to be able to look at myself from, from this perspective. Uh, came so unexpected uh, to find this information and it makes so much sense that I'm making this move out to live in a tiny house because I just you know I don't want a big space because it stresses me out I want a small space a confined space I always like that I always prefer that and I want to be alone and I want to be undisturbed and I want to be able to get back into my own rhythm and and all of that and yeah, I said to my therapist in Denmark, uh, I said, uh, uh, I'm a loner. I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, that, lives, that should live alone in a house out in the forest. And he just said, it's very interesting that you're saying that. He said, I don't know, maybe he saw something about me there that I hadn't discovered about myself at that time. Okay, but uh, 
Uh, I think INFJ is a, a really good uh, profession. It, it, it's, it's really good to be that. Oh, I can see why it is that I'm a homeopath. Um, because I have the intuition and I'm interested and I want to ask. And then at the same time also <clears throat> have this analytical mind or, or, or have the need to kind of like put things into systems. And actually it's, uh, an astrologer said to me, so I'm Virgo and then I have the Scorpio in the ascendant. And, and he said, it's a really, really good uh, <laughs> combination for being a homeopath because you are observing. So that's the Scorpio. Uh, element um, and the Virgo element put things into order and of course that is what we are doing all day long in homeopathy apart from listening to everybody's amazing stories uh, inspirational stories and tragic stories but just stories from real life but of course what I'm doing in the background is to try and take all the information that I get and put it into the system of homeopathy so that I can find a good prescription. So that seems to be pretty okay to be an uh, INFJ uh, for the profession that I finally ended up in. And uh, I have to say, I do love this job so, so much. And it's also nice to broaden out a little bit and talk about some other topics. And uh, I do have a lot of interest and I'm definitely looking forward to share more of it both here uh, in the podcast but also on YouTube, and you should definitely go and check out my YouTube channel. There's some sweet stuff uh, about the tiny house there, or the, for now, just the planning stages of it. And of course, if you like this, then I really would like it if you would give me a like and maybe share with other people. That really means something to me. But for now, I think I need to go and find myself a remedy and see if I can get some of this congestion in my sinuses and my nose <laughs> to move a little bit more. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon.